Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here on a rare second night in a row off for the Bucks. It feels like this has not happened at all this season, but it comes ahead of two pretty big games against the Philadelphia 76ers. We're going to talk plenty of sixes with my co-host today, but before I bring him in, I'll remind you today's episode is brought to you by the Locker Room app. Download the app and join me next week to get in on the action. Locker Room changing the way we talk about sports. Now, I did a live locker room podcast with Justin Garcia yesterday. And I keep telling you this, but it's been a lot of fun for us. You guys can get in the chat room. You can actually have your voice on the podcast and jump on live and ask us a question as well. So it's been pretty fun. So we'll be doing that again on an off day next week. But my co-host today uh, is not only a good friend of mine, he's also my boss. And for the next couple of days, he's actually my big rival. That's Benyam Kadane from NBA Australia, where I've been working with you all day, Benyam. So I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend like we've just jumped on the phone for the first time. I know you're doing pretty well, but either way, thanks for jumping on the show. <laughs> this is much better than the, uh, than the Slack messages. Good to, good to talk to you, Kane. Thanks for having me on. So I mentioned rivalry, and you enjoy watching the Sixers play from time to time. The Sixers have got a pretty good Australian connection right now. We've got our guy, Matisse Stiebel, out there. He's going to be playing for the Boomers hopefully later this year in the Olympics. Ben Simmons, obviously, as well. But when I think about the Bucks and Sixers, as far as regular season games go, and obviously both of these teams have been pretty good over the last few years, these games in particular... They always have a little bit extra. Like I, I think certainly from the Bucks' point of view, and, and you can tell me if this is generally what you find um, with yourself and with other Sixers fans that you connect with, I don't think that these teams necessarily like each other. I think there's definitely something to that. There's, there's always some theatrics with these two teams. Whenever they come together... They don't want to let the other team get any sort of edge over the top of them. We saw that first meeting they had this season was that uh, that overtime thriller uh, where Giannis kind of went crazy. And, and and in games past, you know, Joel Embiid has kind of been the instigator in uh, in those situations. And I, I just like this matchup because, you know, it is an Eastern Conference rivalry. And, and, you know, over the last sort of three, four years, these have kind of been the two teams that have really threatened to kind of make that next step. Uh, and neither of them really have. I mean, the Bucks have... I've probably gone closest, but I, I, I like the idea of these two teams in a, in a seven-game slog out uh, in the postseason. I hope, uh, hope their paths do end up colliding. Well, unfortunately, we don't have our guy, Eric Bledsoe, anymore, who was right at the center of perhaps the most, uh, the, the most important, the most recognizable, the most memorable moment in this rivalry. Of course, the famous audio that we all know that I like playing on this podcast very regularly. <laughs> Out of here! Are you kidding me? Unbelievable! I have not seen a violent act like that in years. Get him out! Unbelievable! Now, 
course, that's our friend, the Philadelphia radio announcer when Bledsoe pretty softly threw the ball at Embiid. It hit him in the stomach and he called it the most violent act he's ever seen in his whole entire life. So, of course, we'll never forget that. Uh, sad to see Bledsoe in New Orleans right now. But you brought up the playoff matchup and this is the most interesting thing about this. Over the last couple of years when I've been in Milwaukee, the topic has come up pretty regularly. Who is the Bucks' biggest rival? And the three teams that are always mentioned are Toronto, Boston, and Philadelphia. And I would like to think that it, would, it should be easily Philadelphia, but they've never crossed paths. And they've played Boston a couple of times in playoff series. Obviously, they've had a couple of series against Toronto as well. But this is the matchup that I think both fan bases really want to see. I think it would be an incredible seven-game series. I think it would be tense. I think it would be heated. I think it would certainly be physical and pretty chippy as well. And maybe this year's the year. I'm not sure. The way it's shaping up, one of these teams is going to have to go through probably Brooklyn to get uh, to each other, depending on how the seeding shakes out. But certainly this has been, for me, for a long time, the matchup that I, I wanted to see in the postseason just for all those reasons. And that matchup's going to be gross. It's going to be defense. It's going to be right. very, very physical. It's going to be chippy. You look at the guys that the Bucks have, you know, in Giannis and, and, and Drew Holiday on that side of the floor, and then guys like Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and, and my new favorite defender, Matisse Teibel, uh, who locked up Devin Booker uh, today. So there's a lot of defense on this, uh, on this uh, matchup, but these are two teams that have a lot of talent. You've got an MVP uh, two-time winner in, in Giannis, an MVP candidate uh, in Joel Embiid. So it, it has everything you want for, a, for an old-school Eastern Conference showdown. So I'm with, I'm with the people. Let's, uh, let's get this happening. So standards watch, we've been keeping an eye on this for a while here, as I think everyone has, and it's absolute chaos in the East. And I, every time I get to the point where I say on this show, it's time to give it up. The Bucks are going to finish in third. They're clear in third. They've got room to the four seed. There's room between uh, them and Brooklyn and Philadelphia in the two seed. Both the Nets and the Sixers keep on opening the door, and the Bucks just can't seem to make any room in the standings there. But we saw again tonight, the Sixers... And I already mentioned the Bucs have had two nights off heading into game one of this two-game set, but the Sixers will be on a back-to-back. They played the Suns. The Nets also lost earlier in the night to the Toronto-slash-Tampa Bay Raptors. So there's still three and a half games between the Sixers and the Bucs, which with only 15 games left for Milwaukee, it would be a pretty big hill to climb. But the important thing that we noted before we started recording here is that if there is... If this, the seedings are to get tight, then these two games are going to decide the tiebreaker. The Bucks obviously got that first matchup that you mentioned. There was no Joel Embiid there. If they get this game tomorrow on Thursday night, then they will take the tiebreaker, which of course could make things at least a little bit interesting. We know the Bucks still have a couple of games left ahead of the Nets. But let's talk about Joel Embiid because after the game, he had some interesting things to say where... I don't have the tweet in front of me, but he basically said, I wasn't supposed to play tonight... I'm not in the best shape. I'm struggling. Of course, he had 38 points and 17 rebounds. So he was as dominant as he's been all season long. But what did you <laughs> think? struggling? Uh, I, I mean, what did you think when he said that? Because I think there's a number of ways you could take that. It, it was an interesting comment. And I, I guess, you know, he, he did kind of go down in that third quarter, uh, clutching his knee. He has had uh, you know, a lot of missed games this season, you know, whether it be, you know, the, the back injury, the, um, the bone bruise in his knee. So he hasn't had the healthiest of seasons. And, and given that the Sixers have so many guys out at the moment and Curry, Simmons and Harris, they really needed Embiid uh, to play tonight. And I, I, I kind of believe him uh, on that front. But 
What I'm more interested in is what that means for these games against the Bucks. Is Simmons going to come back? Is Tobias Harris uh, going to come back? Because if, if Joel Embiid is struggling and putting up 37, 38, uh, and 17 boards against, uh, against a very, very good Suns team, then on the second night of a back-to-back, he's going to need all the help he can get. I think there's at least a part of me that read that and said, come on, Joel. We know what you're trying to do. You're trying to boost your MVP candidacy there. You're trying to say that you're a hero battling through injury to play because in all honesty, if he is really struggling in a big way, and clearly he's a superstar, so he's going to be able to get the numbers. But if he's really struggling, you would think so close to the playoffs that the Sixers with a guy like that, you would want to at least be a little bit careful. And I did find it fascinating that he played this game where the, the Sixers obviously lose because without Seth Curry, without Tobias Harris and also Ben Simmons, I kind of just expect that they're all going to play against the Bucks, and they've probably looked at it and said, okay, well, we're probably only going to win one of these games. We need to put all our eggs in one basket here. Which game benefits us the most? Again, with the tiebreaker implications there, it, it makes sense for the Sixers to go all in on this game against the Bucks, but it's a little bit confusing because then you do play Joel Embiid heavy, heavy minutes. He's clearly a little bit sore, at least with that knee injury, whatever happened there. It's just fascinating to see how teams are trying to navigate through this late season schedule here with the playoffs uh, coming up so close. Yeah, with, uh, with the standings the way they are and, uh, and, and obviously one eye on the playoffs, it's, uh, it's chestnut checkers at the moment. You've got to kind of pick your spots. And, uh, you know, Philly still wants number one uh, in the Eastern Conference. They still want home court advantage uh, the whole way through. So while they do want to get their guys he- healthy and rested, you know, the standings are close. The nets are right there. And, and, you know, three and a half games sounds like a lot with under 20 to go. But, you know, with two coming up against the Bucs, that, that could be turned on its head pretty quickly. So I, I'm still in favor of, of making sure your best guys are healthy uh, for the postseason. So I, I don't know how much there is to it with Joel Embiid. He's probably the closest thing we have to a WWE character in the NBA. So he's, he's out, he's selling tickets. He's, he's doing his thing, but uh, um, I, I'm really looking forward to this, uh, this two game series against, uh, against the Bucks. Cause I think it will kind of uh, show us a little bit of what we can expect from the postseason from, from both teams, because this is kind of when you want to be battle tested. This is when you want to try and sort of hit your stride. So coming up against, you know, an Eastern conference rival, a very, very good team uh, on both sides of the court. It's uh, it's going to be good for both teams. All right, it's time for a quick note from Theragun now, our fantastic sponsors of the show. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me. Wait a second, what is this copy all about? They're assuming I'm not an elite athlete, which I think is pretty harsh. But anyway, we're all just trying to make it through the day tension-free and Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed and power and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush the gen 4 theragun doesn't just feel good it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using theragun's signature percussive therapy which goes 60 percent deeper than the vibration alone the oled screen and design makes you feel like you're holding something from the future just go to their site and check it out and the theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now to get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. 
This year on the Locked On Podcast Network, we are partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft, April 29 to May 1st. So I did watch Atlanta and New York tonight, and just this is the final point on the standings here, and... I don't necessarily think as much as we've spoke about the tiebreakers and this is the Bucks podcast. I don't think if you're the Sixers, you're all that worried about Milwaukee necessarily, but certainly there is a huge advantage to getting the one seed if you can hold off Brooklyn. And right now, as it currently stands, if the playoffs started right now, the 4-5 matchup would be New York and Atlanta, which means that if you're Milwaukee, you are in line to perhaps play a Miami or a Boston in the first round. And if you beat them, then you get Brooklyn in the second round. Then if you beat them, you get Philadelphia in the third round. So it's an absolute <laughs> gauntlet to get to the NBA finals. Whereas if you're Philadelphia, you, you probably you might get a Charlotte. You might cruise through in the first round. Second round, you get the Knicks or the Hawks, which I don't think are going to give you any problems. So certainly as far as Philadelphia goes, there's a huge advantage if they can hang on to the one seed. You mentioned the defensive nature of these games and you mentioned you described the the first game as a as an overtime thriller and i remember specifically messaging you when this game happened a few weeks ago and the game went to overtime and i think in our slack channel i said you've got to be kidding me and this was the game where uh, dante divincenzo was uh, let's just say a little bit over aggressive trying to close out on the perimeter and Corkmaz hit the three from the corner the game went to overtime and i said to you this game has been absolutely awful the last thing i wanted to watch was another five minutes of this because they're both, they are both terrific defensive teams. There's no doubt about that. I know the Bucs have been a little bit more inconsistent this year, but that's what the Sixers are built off. They're second in defense across the league this year and only 15th in offense. So that's where they pride themselves on. And I think looking at the bigger picture again, if you are the Brooklyn Nets, clearly you have the most offensive firepower in the league if you can get healthy. But I do think Milwaukee and Philadelphia feel pretty good about their chances defensively. And you already mentioned... Joel Embiid, and then obviously you have Ben Simmons and Tybal for the Sixers, along with other guys that are more than capable with, um, obviously, Danny Green is a little bit older, but he's a guy that's been known for his defense. And if you're the Bucks, you've got Drew Holiday, PJ Tucker, Giannis, and then you've got the periphery guys with Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton as well. So certainly two teams that I think their success in the postseason is going to come from their ability to execute offensively, because I think that you can trust them at least a little bit defensively. Oh, for sure, and, and and that's going to be the the difference in the in the postseason is can you score against the the league's best defenses? And you know, Philly's Philly's going to hang their hat on defense. They're not going to try and win every game ninety to to eighty five. Although you know, <laughs> that's probably their best uh, best shot at at success. But um, what I am intrigued by is is how the 76ers offense looks in the postseason because we've seen what Joel's doing. Uh, not just on the block too. He's one of the best mid-range shooters uh, in the league this season. He's been solid from the three-point line. And and obviously the big question mark for Philly is what happens to Ben Simmons in the postseason offensively? Is he in the dunker spot? Is he running pick and rolls? Because it's going to look different to what we're seeing in the uh, in the regular season. Is, is Tobias Harris going to become more of a ball handler uh, in the pick and roll? We saw even Seth Curry the other night running pick and rolls with Joel Embiid with, uh, with Simmons out against uh, against the Warriors. So they do have... Other playmaking options, uh, obviously, Shake Milton and uh, and my guy Tyrese Maxey. So I'm interested to see how they switch things up in the postseason, or if they do just let let Ben Cook and and, and let him do his thing because he has been very good at times during this season. He had a little bit of a, a funk just out of the All Star break, but that's going to be the big question mark. You, you you've nailed that for Philly is 
is what does their offense look like when it's uh, when it's really when it really comes down to it. I mean, they just built so unique compared to the modern day contenders when you look at it. I mean, obviously the number one option is a big man who obviously Embiid has stretched out his game. He'll go to the perimeter. He will shoot threes. And historically, the Bucks have got him to shoot a lot from the perimeter because they're kind of happy to say, listen, we, we can't, nobody can deal with you inside. So if you want to shoot threes, go for it. And there's been multiple times where he's got up 10 plus threes. But Ben Simmons has not had much success offensively at all against the Bucs. I mean, he's, he's racked up some assists at times because he will be able to drive and kick and the, and the Bucs will say, okay, but we're not letting you score at the rim where you are so effective. So what changes have you seen? You already mentioned some of the stuff, whether, whether they use him as a screener, whether he is in the dunker spot, but is there any confidence that offensively he is going to be able to be an impact player? Because we know, I mean, it's different. You can, you can have games against different teams in the regular season. You can look fantastic. But Bucks fans out of everyone understand that it's it's definitely a different game when it comes to the postseason. I, I think the big X factor is is pace because when when Simmons is getting rebounds, pushing the ball up the floor, and and the fact that he now has legitimate snipers everywhere, whether it's Curry, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, he's shooting the ball really well. There's a lot of guys out there that can knock down shots. So if they're getting up and down the floor, and Simmons is either scoring in transition or kicking it out to very reliable three point shooters, I think that's going to be area where he makes the most impact is how he can affect the pace of the game because whilst you don't necessarily want to get into a track meet with the Bucs you don't need Giannis running up and down the floor and dunking on everybody you also don't want the inverse of that because while Simmons isn't necessarily you know the same scorer himself he can create so much for other guys he's one of the best at creating three-point opportunities so if if Philly do turn it into that kind of series where they are getting up and down the floor and and they've got their three-point shooters locked in it, it, you know, it could be the opposite. It may not be defensive battle. We could be getting up a bunch of threes and, uh, and, and watching the scoreboard go up. What about our old friend, George Hill, who made his debut a couple of games back and uh, some terrific quotes. If they were real, I didn't even know if they were real, but they were fantastic quotes about George Hill and from Doc Rivers uh, defending Steph Curry. And he was such a valuable contributor for the Bucs. And in all honesty, it's been a big problem for Milwaukee this year, trying to find that backup point guard they obviously signed dj augustine at the start of this year that did not work out he ended up being a part of the pj tucker trade which worked out fine they got out of that contract and now they've got jeff teague who's been i think for most bucks fans surprisingly good because the the reports from the celtics were, were not great and it's clearly a different situation when you're playing with Giannis and the ball moves a little bit more in milwaukee but what have you seen early days from george hill does he still look like a guy that's got enough in the tank to be that impact defender but also outside shooter that he has been in milwaukee the last couple of years look ad- admittedly i wasn't overly excited that we acquired george hill i just thought hey, it's another guy taking minutes away from tyrese maxi but mm-hmm. in the couple of games that he has played it's just the calming influence i think a guy like george hill has he's 34 years old he's a veteran he's kind of seen everything uh in this league so when ben isn't out on the floor uh controlling the offense you just want someone that's going to be able to run pick and rolls find shooters isn't going to turn the ball over. And I think in the, in the, in the postseason, that's going to be big uh, because a lot of the other guys that will be handling the ball for Philly aren't necessarily the most experienced. Uh, you know, Milton's been around a little bit. Um, Tyrese Maxey's obviously uh, fresh this season. So having another guy out there that you know, isn't going to cough the ball up easily, the pressure isn't going to get to him. I really like what I've seen from Hill just in terms of the level of calm that he'll bring to this uh, six or second unit. And, you know, whether it's working with Dwight Howard in the pick and roll, and, 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 you know, getting guys open looks. He, he can still do that at a, at a, at a re- reasonably high level. So, you know, it's only a couple of games in, but he, he looks like he fits. 
It's betonline.ag time now, which we know is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We're going to be talking a little bit of MVP later in this show, so you can find all the odds there. You can also get NBA, the rest of the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, whatever else you're interested in, awards, TV shows, reality TV, they've got it all at betonline.ag. So they've got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And of course, don't forget about our friends at rockauto.com, which is the family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The best thing about it is that the prices, whether you're me, whether you're an absolute car expert, a professional, the prices are always the same. So why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box today? Now we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com the ultimate mock draft 2021 presented by locked on and odyssey is happening now featuring analysis from nfl experts and also our local experts for every team will be making trades and picking the next stars for their team search the ultimate mock draft 2021 on the new odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts odyssey is your home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. How do you think this rotation is going to settle out? I've got the Philadelphia B-Ball reference page up here, and it certainly feels a little bit different to previous years with the Sixers where I can go down and just list a a bunch of names. I mean, obviously, you've got Embiid, Harris, Simmons, and Milton, Curry, Green, Korkmaz, Maxi, Dwight Howard, who's obviously been playing. Tybal as well is there. George Hill's moved into the mix. Where is this rotation going to settle out? Because they've got a lot of guys. There's probably going to be some guys that have been pretty valuable contributors that aren't going to get minutes come playoff time with Doc Rivers. Yeah, that's a really interesting point because normally in the postseason, we see teams tighten up, maybe only go eight, nine deep. But... There's a Unless lot of you're Mike Budenholzer, by the way. Unless you're Mike Budenholzer, <laughs> you just, you're just like, yeah, that's 25 minutes, go for it, man. That's, that's all we need. We'll trust Pat Connaughton. We'll let someone else guard the best player. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously, you know, Seth Curry, he's a huge part of this rotation as a, as, as a starter, uh, along with Danny Green. And, and it's going to be those minutes. Are you going to go for more offense with a Korkmaz? Are you going to go with someone like Tybal? Because, you know, we saw what he did defensively against Devin Booker. In, 37, in I think 36 or 37 minutes, he didn't score. Are you going to be able to get away with that uh, in, a, in a playoff game, having a guy that is a, is a zero on offense? Not to say that he's a zero because he can uh, you know, shoot the ball uh, as a catch-and-shoot guy, but it's, it, I think it's going to be matchup dependent. And, and personally, I, I like what Tybal brings to the team in terms of creating offense with his defense, whether it's the steals, the blocks, the deflections. He's the kind of guy that can shift momentum uh, and, and that's big in, uh, in playoff games. We see it only takes a couple of minutes, a couple of possessions, and you can kind of turn a game on its head. But it'll be the Mike Scotts and, the, and maybe even Dwight Howard we maybe don't see a ton of uh, in the postseason, depending uh, on the matchups. But the guys that I really want to see uh, that probably won't is Tyrese Maxey. 
I, I really like this kid. I like the energy he plays with. I like the just brazen confidence that he plays with. Whether or not that's necessarily going to translate into the uh, into the postseason, um, but for me, I like what I've seen from Corkmars this season. He's not afraid. He can hit shots, and and he can space the floor and put it on the floor as well. He's not he's not afraid to get to the tin, try and dunk it on people. That's that's the kind of guy I like. It's been interesting to see, and we know the Sixers fans can be uh, they can be pretty volatile at times towards their own. <laughs> uh, let's just say and. When I was back in Milwaukee and every time Philadelphia would come to town, I would always love talking to Brett Brown and, and you know this, Benjamin. I mean, really a fantastic guy to talk to. It's so nice. And anytime he would say anything about the Sixers and I would tweet it out or I'd write about it or whatever, the, the comments would just light up with just furious Sixers fans saying, yep, typical Brett Brown, nice guy, terrible coach. How have they, how's the reception been? For Doc Rivers, it feels like Sixers fans are, are pretty comfortable with the decision to bring in Doc this year. And I mean, clearly, I mean, you're the number one seed. It makes sense. But uh, we know that, uh, again, they can be a little uh, aggressive towards their own. Hey, shout out to Brett Brown. That's my guy. He's a, yeah. he's, he's a great guy. Um, but Doc Rivers has, I think he's won over the Sixers fans because the the big question mark was, can Embiid and Simmons play together this season? And, you know, compared to where we are now to where we were at the start of the season, he's found a way to make this a little bit more cohesive. And and, and the big thing for me is he's got Tobias Harris playing like LA Clippers Tobias Harris. He's put the ball in his hands a lot more. He's trusting him down the stretch. He's, he's really shaped an identity that was kind of there in the past, but hadn't really come to the surface. And, and, and I think just the confidence of a guy who's been there before. He's won titles uh, as a coach. He's been deep in postseasons, you know, multiple times. And, and you know, the fact that, you know, he, he's a former player as well. He's kind of seen everything that you can throw at him. Um, I, to be honest, I couldn't be happy with, uh, with, with Doc Rivers uh, this season. And I think Philly fans are, uh, are much the same. He, he's brought the best out of Embiid as well, which can't be undersold. We always knew that was kind of there. But was he always in the best shape? Even by his own admission, he even this season hasn't even really been. But... The mindset and, and the expectation. I think that's what's kind of changed this year uh, in Philly. Joel Embiid should be an MVP candidate every year. They should be the best defensive team, uh, you know, every, or one of the best defensive teams every season. And, and they've kind of ticked a lot of those boxes. Last one I've got for you is on Joel Embiid. And you just mentioned his MVP candidacy. So I'm looking at it right now. 39 games. That probably hasn't updated from tonight's game, actually. So it's probably 40 games, I think, is about right. 30 points, 11 rebounds block and a half a game, clearly just been an absolute monster. But we're in the old rookie of the year situation here where it's hard to think that he can win the MVP if he plays fewer than 50 games. Is that Where, where, where do you lie on this, just in general, as a rule, even if it wasn't Embiid and it was Giannis, for instance, or whoever it may be? Is there a certain number of games you need to play? I don't necessarily think so. I mean, obviously, I think you need to play at least three quarters of the season to really put yourself there. But it depends on who else is in the race because I think that's what kind of changes things for me this season is Embiid has been dominant. And and you kind of have to be if you're not going to play every game. The numbers have to jump off the page. The impact has to be there. And as much as I want Joel to be the MVP, you know, I can't with a straight face look at what Nikola Jokic (laughs) is doing, not missing a game, nearly averaging a 30-point triple-double. I'm like, oh, that that guy might be the MVP. Well, he's, he's got the ideal body for an MVP athlete, Nikola Jokic. He's inspirational <laughs> for us all. Athlete. And the Nuggets, <laughs> by the way, four and zero 
since Jamal Murray went down as well. So they they just keep winning. So yeah, I think Jokic is going to be tough to slow down. There's no doubt about that. But I will say this, I'm, I am a little bit shocked when I look at Embiid's stats and see that he's only averaging 29.9 because I feel like every single game I watch, he has about 40 and 20 rebounds. So I don't know what games he's not scoring 30 for that average to be that low. But yeah, he's been an absolute force. And like we mentioned, he didn't play last time these two teams met. We'll see whether he plays this back-to-back again. I know there's lots of seeding implications here, but you just got to be so careful. We're seeing so many stars go down uh, right around the league on a nightly basis. And it's too close to the playoffs now to have an injury that'll keep you out for a couple of weeks. So we'll wrap it up here. But I do want to say that I, I would make a proposal for this Milwaukee-Philadelphia matchups in the regular season from now on to be the Ersan Ilyasova uh, Memorial Trophy. Now, he's still alive, so I don't know whether you can technically call it a Memorial Trophy, but <laughs> a, f- a fan favorite wherever he's been, obviously in Milwaukee for a long time, but had a nice playoff run with the Sixers as well. Yes, I know he's saved. What a player in Utah right now, knocking down some threes, by the way. I uh, I approve this message. Let's get a let's get a belt made, a bowl, something, something for Ursan. All right, that's Benyam Kadane. I, I think we need to go back to work. We need to do uh, our other job here and, and wrap up the day from an NBA point of view. But uh, you can find Benyam stuff over at NBA Australia, where you should all be following anyway. The Twitter accounts, the social accounts, there. Uh, you'll see some of my stuff on there as well. Uh, who knows if we have this playoff series down the road we might be talking again on the show here but i appreciate you uh accepting my request via the slack channel to come and chat today this was good anytime my man appreciate you having me on all right we'll leave it there for today's show of course we'll be back post game tomorrow night uh i have no doubt frank madden will be joining me for that podcast at game one against the Sixers thursday night 6 30 p.m central and then they will go again on Saturday afternoon, 2.30 Central Time. That's 5.30 a.m. for me on a Sunday. You've got to be kidding me. A bit of respect for those over in Australia. Come on. But anyway, we'll be back post-game. Enjoy the game. It should be an absolute beauty. We'll speak to you guys then. Stay safe. Catch you after the game.